This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre recorded. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause as we broadcast to you another great lineup, Jay Doc. Good show in front of us. I do want to take just a quick moment, uh, first, to welcome you in, but second, most important, uh, we now have on the calendar, we now have on the schedule, uh, our first big event coming up, our first big um, uh, summit that we have scheduled. So we actually have two, our our first two summits, Joe, our our first two energy, uh, labor and energy summits. We're going to be doing the refinery sector in mid-August. I I believe it's the week of the 17th of August, uh, so it'll be the 20th that it airs. And then we're doing the shale industry, uh, I believe it's the 20th. The third of September, and we're going to be laying them out all year long. We're going to have the top, you know, executives, professionals from each industry, uh, you know, creating awareness and education um, on these uh, on energy and uh, the the information that people need to know. Um, you know, it's it's so important what people don't know, and it's so important to have the the individuals who are at the top of the chain providing that information, so we can't wait to do it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Again, the mission, the objective, the power of this show is to continue uh, to educate the public. If you miss any of the broadcast or you want to go back and download uh, the broadcast, just go to Apple or Spotify, search the Labor and Energy Show, and you'll be able to listen to all of our episodes. Absolutely, Joan. We do have a fantastic show today. Uh, We're going to be talking about topics, again, like Reggie, uh, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Uh, We're going to be talking about President uh, Biden's energy plan, and we have other legislation in PA that we're also talking about. And of course, we're going to have some updates from uh, Brendan Williams uh, also on what's going on across the country. Uh, But right now, I'm ecstatic to bring into into the program uh, Pennsylvania State Senator Gene Yaw, who represents Pennsylvania's 23rd Senatorial District, serving Bradford, Lycoming, Sullivan, and Susquehanna and Union Counties. Senator, how are you, sir? I'm doing well today. So it's great to have you on the broadcast. Uh, I told you you come highly recommended. And uh, one of the things, you know, so we're going to talk about a number of topics, but one of the things that's been on the front page, especially on this show, is something called Reggie, okay, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Okay, and uh, if you would uh, just give our listeners a brief, uh, you know, explanation of of, of what Reggie is so they understand what's going on. Uh, That's a good question. It's also a pretty difficult one to make, uh, uh, you know, in real simple terms. But uh, the governor has proposed on his own to join with, I think, it's 12 other states uh, or 11 other states and the District of Columbia in a uh, to form a contract with them to meet certain uh, uh, emissions, mainly addressing CO2 emissions uh, requirements. And uh, I mean, what that means for Pennsylvania is that it basically targets uh, the coal industry and the uh, older gas-fired uh, power generation plan. In, in, um, in, in essence, though, let me jump in there and say, it's, this is potentially an $800 million carbon dioxide emissions tax, correct? <laughs> yes, and that is the interesting part about it is that even the, the DEP uh, uh, numbers on it is in the first 10 years, we're probably about year eight now, first 10 years, 
the emissions, uh, CO2 emissions is less than 1%. And, you know, the impact on the labor market is, I, I mean, anywhere the estimates are is, uh, in excess of 20,000 jobs will be lost. Uh, coal-fired power plants are closing. Uh, uh, Cheswick uh, out near Pittsburgh uh, in Allegheny County closed. Uh, I watched it on, uh, actually, the closing uh, was on YouTube, and I watched it. It's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And, uh, uh, you know, we're closing those plants down. The numbers are that uh, uh, the electric generation power that we lose here in Pennsylvania uh, is going to be picked up by non-regging states. Uh, at least uh, 86% of it is going to be picked up by non-regging states surrounding us. So, I mean, what's the point? What are we what are we accomplishing out of this other than putting a lot of uh, people out of work? Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting because if you if, if you go if you walk down the down, down the street in your neighborhood, no matter where you live in Pennsylvania, and you ask anyone, anyone, if they've heard of the regional greenhouse gas initiative, if you if you if if one person says they've heard of it. I'll empty my bank account and just, you know, live off the street. I mean, it's act. But what is amazing about this is that no yeah, one. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, any any public events that I go to, I, uh, you know, for the last year, I've been asking uh, uh, what what do you think? What do you know about uh, Reggie? What is it? And I'm lucky if five percent of the group even know what it have any idea what it means uh let alone the impact on pennsylvania yeah i mean and and well and the thing that's amazing about that is the impact and the magnitude of the impact affects the 95 96 98 or 99 percent that don't know well it's like a tidal wave coming and no one knows about it i i believe of course and and look we've you know, I'm a Democrat, okay? And I, you know, I'm a labor Democrat. I've always supported the governor, but I can't imagine why he is so on top of this. I'm wondering, and I, I'd like to ask you, Senator, you know, people don't know, but do you think, uh, do you think individual support in this bill, uh, and we're going to get into why it doesn't make sense. You just mentioned it because there's so many states surrounding us that aren't supporting it. It's not going to meet its objective, but do you think they depend on the people not really understanding it and knowing what's going on? Yeah, I, I do to some extent. As I said at the beginning, it's a pretty complicated issue, but uh, in, in trying to explain it to people. And, and it, you know, the other thing, too, is it's so insidious that, um, it, 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 well, it's only a couple of cents. Well, you know, our, our electric rate's only going to go from 11 cents per kilowatt to 15 cents per kilowatt. Well, that's only four cents. Yeah, well, you multiply that by number of kilowatts that either individuals or businesses use and uh it, it, the estimates are it's it, you're right it's about an 800 million dollar uh hit to the ratepayers in pennsylvania it makes us not compet- we will not be competitive you also mentioned obviously we've already lost some plants because of this okay so uh, that three four cents um that that seems insignificant has already done damage, okay? So um, let's not forget what low-income areas uh, are going to get impacted, those individuals that have a difficult time meeting ends as it is. Uh, this could be a devastating bill for them, correct? They're the people that are that, that, that are going to suffer the, the, the most. I mean, you know, the lower your income, the more that you have to spend of your disposable income for the basic services and energy is, is, is one of the basic things that that we all utilize. And yes, so if you're low income and you want to, I, I mean, that's what I, it makes no sense. I mean, I, I hate to keep saying that all the time, but I, sometimes I just grab my head and I think, I don't understand this. There is nothing that justifies this from whether you're talking about jobs, whether you're talking about the environment, whether you're talking about the impact on on the citizens, of Pennsylvania, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that justifies Reggie. You know, and it's interesting because you mentioned, and we uh, briefly, and I, I want to, you know, the things that you're mentioning, I I, I want to kind of shed light on them. For example, the fact that there are what is it, twelve 
So uh, 12 states are a part of Reggie. It's almost like it's like a coalition. OK. And yeah, the governor's trying to, to bring us in to, to, to the equation. Um, but what's interesting about this, that theoretically it's about lowering the emissions and all those things. But you mentioned something really important. Um, there are uh, states uh, surrounding Pennsylvania that are just going to pick up. Uh, you know, the, you know, the energy that we're not supplying because we're such a big supplier. You got uh, you have West Virginia and Ohio that are not a part of Reggie. And so their 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 uh, energy uh, creation is going to just, you know, multiply and it's not going to help the environment anyway. So the point is, you know, go ahead. Yeah, you're right. And, and the, the prevailing winds in the United States flow from west to east. And the last time I checked, both Ohio and West Virginia are west of Pennsylvania. So everything that we get, you know, Pennsylvania is highly regulated environmentally. Here's another one of the things that makes no sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to close down our plant and, and send the generation capability to states which have lesser environmental standards. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't meet the objective or, or the goal for what Reggie's supposed to do. Uh, and by the way, it's a popular theme. It just seems one of the points of this show, just so you know, is to educate the listeners and, and create awareness. Labor and energy. OK, so well, we do the labor show in Philly. And, you know, this is the labor and energy show. It goes all uh, up the Mid-Atlantic region. So from from uh, Philly, New Jersey, all the way up to Washington, D.C., you know, on the East Coast. Um, our goal was to educate people because you mentioned something else. Energy can be an incredibly complicated uh, area. And so having said that, we want to put it in, in, in layman's terms. So let the people understand what, what often the mainstream media is not talking about. We are talking about. Why? Because I'll tell you this, labor is not a political party. I, I, I'll give you a little insight. Okay. Um, you know, the day that the day that uh, Donald Trump won, we were doing a labor show, Krauss and I, and um, we had some local labor leaders in Philly that were devastated, as you could, and they couldn't imagine. And we brought on Rick Blumendale, uh, I believe Frank Snyder, definitely Pat Iding, all the leaders, PA State, uh, AFL-CIO, and Philadelphia labor leadership. And here's what they said. We're not a political party. We support those who support us, and of course, um, the middle class. And I can tell you this, and this is very confusing to me. This is uh, to, to, because Joe and I have, have, have been passionate about this uh, for some time, but we have not been involved in the energy issues, uh, you know, for our entire careers. But let me say this. Why is this? Why is it such a bipartisan situation? Why are we not just looking at it? And every you know what we feel is we care about the environment. You said PA has a lot of um, you know, in, environmental constraints. In other words, we have high standards. Why is this such a bipartisan or, or, or a nonpartisan issue? Why is it not bipartisan? Uh, I, I, the only thing I can say is that uh, the governor here in Pennsylvania has, uh, I, I don't think he listens to people and, you know, what's going on. Uh, I talked to uh, the head of the Boilermakers is a friend of mine in, from Pittsburgh, and I he met with the governor a couple of months ago, and he said he met with him for an hour and a half and talked about the impact on on labor and the economy and everything else that you can think about. And he said at the end of the hour and a half, he got zero response, zero. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's confusing. It's, but let me just, before we go, before we switch but, topics. But, 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 and we got two minutes before we get to the break. But did he, did he get no response because there was no response to be given? Or did he get no response because the governor didn't want to address it? This is his agenda. He, he's taught, he's, he, you know, his point is it's, this is clean energy and all those things. It, it, nobody's talking about the facts. Nobody's talking about the, the, the science. And, and there's nobody that I know that doesn't care about the environment. Before we go to break, and I know we can um, kind of talk about this after the break, um, there's been, you know, recent common court injunction to, reg, to stop Reggie, the push to have the uh, governor... Uh, you know, make us a part of the coalition. Okay. And it's, it, there's even question that this is uh, an unconstitutional push, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, the governor has not gone to the legislature. Talk about both of them um, because there is some light at the end of the tunnel here. 
Okay, yes. Uh, we, we, we mentioned enough subjects here that we could talk all day about them. Yep. And, and they're educational, I think, that, that really help people understand what's going on. Uh, I, you know, I'd like to talk about energy, economy, and the environment and the order of preference that, that we must address those. Uh, it, and, and actually in that order, we need energy to build an economy. And once you have an economy, then you can deal with the environment. And if you don't do it in that order, it, 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 it upsets the whole, uh, the whole scenario, the whole scheme. State Senator Gene Yaw is our special guest here on the Labor and Energy Show. We'll take a short break and pick it right back up with the senator on the other side. Don't forget the bottom of the hour. Brendan Williams will be along with us as well. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know experts agree that a technology called carbon capture and storage, or CCS, will be crucial to mitigating the risks of climate change? Did you know? First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause. Our special guest today is Pennsylvania State Senator Gene Yaw. Senator, going into uh, the break in our last segment, you referenced energy economy and environment. I don't want to glaze over that. Let me come back to you with you and tee you up on that. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, the, the, the whole sequence of a viable society, is, is, in my opinion, is in this order. Is energy. You need energy to build an economy. And then once you have an economy, you can deal with the environment. And if you don't have an economy and, and you're worried about, are, are, am I going to be able to eat today or where's my next meal coming from? Do you really care about the environment? And, and if you tinker with this thing, at the let's say, oh, we're going to only deal with the environment without addressing the other two issues, it, it puts it into chaos. And that's where we are right now. We're tinkering with environment without considering uh, the economy part of energy and how uh, our whole society is based on energy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, the long and the short of it. And Reggie attempts to uh, tinker with the wrong end of this uh, scenario. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's no question about that. And I think that, um, but one of the things that I, I feel is important is the details um, need to be discussed. One of the things when these things get political and it, like, you know, energy is uh, become such a political, if not polarizing issue is that people don't talk about the people don't talk about the issues. And I mean, people like, you know, us on this radio show. Okay, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, what I call the energy cancel culture, and they'll talk about, you know, saving the whales and the trees and, all, and, and the environment and getting rid of all the fossil fuels, but no one's talking about the details of, of um, the implications and, you know, everything it takes to keep our society moving. And so, you know, I, I, I agree with that, uh, and, and, and certainly, 
you know, what, I, don't, I don't know what your experience is, but, and, and I don't know what, you know what that conversation with the boilermakers, because you're talking boilermakers, steam fitters. You're right. Labor, ha- you know, we have a sector that, that uh, works at the refineries, and, and, and of course, uh, they're passionate. They understand the issues. I'm wondering if that boilermaker you're talking about when he was talking to the governor, if he had thrown back in his face any details at all. Joe, Joe oh, Krause, we you Sean, mentioned... We had Sean Steffi on. Yeah, he knows, Sean knows the details. I'm uh, talking uh, about, does the governor talk about why? Okay, why? What are yeah. the details? What are the complications? All the, y- y- your, your thoughts, Senator? Yeah, well, the, the person I was talking to is the you know, I consider to be a friend is Sean. And, uh, you know, I've known him. He, he, uh, happened to graduate from a college where I chair the board. And, uh, so we, we have an interesting relationship. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's just disappointed. And, and I'm, he did not tell me exactly what the governor said, what, how he justified it or anything, but he just, you know, his assessment, as I said, at the end was that, he got nothing out of it. He didn't change his mind one iota. It didn't make any difference. The number of jobs lost. It didn't make any difference. I mean, for example, when a, when a power plant closes, just think of the economic impact that it has on the locality. Uh, Homer City, if that, that plant should close, what what's going to happen to the school district that depends on the tax revenue that comes from that plant? Yeah, I, I mean, those are issues which... I don't think that there was just any thought given to it. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't justify it uh, by any other way than to say, uh, well, apparently you didn't care about that, or you didn't look at it, you didn't talk to anybody as to what's really going to happen here. And you know what we're overlooking in this thing is that joining Reggie, Reggie is a corporation. It is a Delaware corporation that we're going to have a contract with to do certain things. That's what's nuts about it. Yeah, we're going to we're going to have a contract with this company that's controlled by other states who are not friends of ours, and that's what we're that's what's going to dictate our energy and our environmental policy. And, and we're that's giving our produ- we're giving Pennsylvania's uh, energy production capabilities to. to other states who are not, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's unbelievable. But, you know, you talk about, um, you talk about the, the shutdown of industry and jobs and all that. There's two story. there's two sides to that coin. And, and, and the other side is the details. And if, look, okay, if there were, you know, there are some extremists that say that, that, that the world is coming to an end in seven years because of, of uh, you know, the carbon footprint on the planet. Let me just say this. That's not true, number one. But number two, um, there has to be details and documentation. There have to, has to be information that says if you're going to shut your, your industry down, your jobs and all those things, it has to make sense. There's two sides to that coin. This, and I, I, I want to make it, I'm going to speak really loud and clear. I'm a labor Democrat, okay? I, you know, I, this is not a political issue to me. It's a human issue to me. And getting the reality out there, okay? Not the fantasy world, but you're willing to shut down, uh, uh, you know, uh, industry and jobs and all those things. If it was going to, if we were going off the map in seven in seven years, if the planet was going to close up and all those extreme uh, ideologies were true, then I'd say, well, we got to do what we got to do. But nothing could be further from the truth. But common sense should be prevailing here. And so, you know, that that's not a part of the equation, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right about that. Common sense to me, me that that doesn't that's not considered at all. And, and no question about it. so so. Having said that, um, where do where do we stand right now? Where you know you talk about Reggie and 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 uh, and, and what's going on? We know there's been an injunction. Okay. Uh, Tell us, you know, where we stand. Uh, by the way, people who are listening to this, everybody cares about the environment. There's, you know, we should be working on all kinds of other solutions besides shooting ourselves in the foot. But what can people do, Senator? And where where does it stand? And what can people do? Well, the, it, unfortunately, the injunction, the 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 administration appealed that to the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Now, you know, you know, I I don't. You're familiar with the uh, U.S. Supreme Court decision last week, I think it was, that said that EPA 
are that the government cannot use EPA to basically change energy policy. Right. Now, that's a federal decision, but that's exactly, exactly what the governor is doing here in Pennsylvania. He's using uh, the Clean Air Act and DEP to change energy policy. And, and our complaint through, from the, for the last two years, ever since he announced this, I guess three years now, is that you need to talk to the legislature. We are the people. This is the body that represents the people. Right. Not you. Not you alone. And, you know, that's, that's the whole issue. And I think the U.S. Supreme Court supports that. Now, that is not, that's not binding on Pennsylvania courts. It is very persuasive, though, because it is exactly the same argument. So I'm hopeful that maybe our Supreme Court will like say, you know what, Governor, you really did. You don't have authority to do this, and you've overstepped your bounds. And, and your comment about there, there are many things that we should be doing. We should be plugging orphan wells that that are bleeding methane, and there are orphan wells out there. They're DEP's responsibility. That's what we should be looking at. Methane is, I think, the number is 34 times. Uh, is detrimental to the environment as CO2. So, you know, let's, let's look at the area that really would make an impact. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I, I've seen presentations about fluidized bed, uh, boilers where 100% of the CO2, uh, emissions is captured. Those are the types of things that we should be investing in. And I mean, carbon capture. You know, the difference. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that I was criticized because I'm against Reggie, but I support uh, carbon capture. And I said the difference is this. Reggie costs jobs. Carbon capture technology and construction creates jobs, and it creates a lot of jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's so many issues that uh, that are that are involved here. <laughs> yes, it's actually, that's and, sure. that, and that's why Joe Krauss. Well, that. what is it? What, what was the criticism? This is where I'm lost. What was the criticism of you, Senator? No, the, the criticism is I'm against Reggie, which supposedly saves CO2, yeah. and I'm for carbon capture, which which involves uh, uh, CO2. Right. Well, they, you know, they, there's a massive difference there because, in other words, yeah, one, they, they didn't. Go ahead. They don't understand. They don't understand. One, one is cost us thousands of jobs. The other, the carbon capture and construction of the infrastructure that's needed there, will create thousands of jobs. Yeah. I, yeah. And by I the mean, way, you forgot. Yeah, you forgot that 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 um, you know. It, uh, windmills and, and 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 turbines and all those things they take fossil fuels in order in order to operate there's about a billion reasons why we need to keep our and focus on uh, you know technology like carbon capture okay to lower emissions uh, and the carbon footprint and do and focus on those types of situations instead of shooting us, ourselves down yes jobs is a big one yes energy costs for the public uh, across Pennsylvania and beyond yes the fact that the other states are going to pick up the emissions issues and, and and take advantage of the of the energy production and oh by the way 6000 products are comprised of fossil fuels including a lot of the renewables anybody talking about that. that no no they don't recognize the fact and i say this all the time you cannot have cleaner green energy projects without fossil fuel and more more importantly if you want to take it one step farther you cannot have cleaner green energy projects without mining and mining as we know is yep. bad in the united states yeah, and, and, and that segues into, okay, that in mining there, but, you know, we're not going to get into this topic, but uh, electric cars, which are coming into the market, okay? And by the way, renewables are coming into the market, and they are going to take, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, a lead in, in, in a lot of our energy needs, and that's great, but that doesn't mean we get that we should cancel uh, every other uh, form of traditional energy in order to do it, because there's so many reasons why that's not even possible. Okay, so well, my, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, my question is, okay, we're going to have electric vehicles, and we're closing down the baseload power plant. Right. Now, how's that going to work? Yeah. 
And, not, and, and, and look at the batteries. We've, we've, we've had the top professionals in the world here. This is not a political show. This is not politics. This is just common sense and education and awareness of everybody. We need moderation here, man. We need to do this together in a united way. We need to save and, and, and continue our, our production. But, but, but uh, like the senator said, Joe, focus on, on, on uh, technologies like carbon capture and everything else that we can do, okay? Because nobody's mentioned that, and we, we've talked about it, it's a little bit out of the scope, but the, the, the United States is 13% of the world's emissions. We're going to shoot ourselves down in the foot, you know, shut down all of our energy production resources, and then have to depend on the, the rest of the planet, who many are not our friends, and those in those particular areas are, are, are doing zero, have no standards compared to what we have, including the Congo, where you mentioned mining, well, let me tell you something, yeah. the, 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 you know, destruction to, to the environment and all that, trying to replace com the internal combustion engine with, 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 with electric vehicle batteries at a one-to-one -one ratio. Uh, you know, no one's talking about those things, but, you know, obviously we are, and, we're, and, and, and we uh, appreciate, you know, your insight here, because it is like being in the twilight zone. Yeah, and that, that, that Electric batteries, I mean, the majority of the products that, that go into electric batteries come from China. And, and, you know, quite honestly, I mean, even the administration has recognized, well, you know, maybe with like uh, solar panels and batteries, they have some issues because some of those things are made with forced labor. Oh, yeah. Were you well, kidding me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe Slave you labor from the Congo. Slave labor from That's the Congo. Right. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, so we, we get to the point of like, we are so smug that, that some of the people are so smug. We're going to protect our environment and we don't, we don't really care what happens to the people or the, the children in the Congo that mine cobalt. Do we care? Apparently not. We can sit on a, you know, and say we're saving the planet, but we really don't care about the people that we're, uh, we are impacted. Uh, no question about it. And like we said, this is, and we've said it on our, our labor show. Two minutes, J-Doc. I know you want to cover some other ground with the senator, so you've got to do it quickly. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a union issue. It's not a political issue. It's a human issue. Senator, uh, real quick, because, uh, you know, like Joe said, we, we, we're out of time, but you have a, 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 a Senate Bill 275 Energy Choice legislation that you sponsored could you, uh, and I know I apologize for the, little, the lack of time, but you touch on that for a second? Yeah, I'll touch on it. Uh, the governor vetoed it. It, it. it was an energy choice that said, uh, followed up with what uh, happened in uh, San Francisco where they passed an ordinance that said you can't have any more natural gas hookups. Pennsylvania is the second largest gas producer in, in the United States, one of the largest in the world. 50% of our families don't have access to natural gas. I just thought it, they should have the choice and not be dictated by the government one way or the other. So, but apparently the governor thinks that, uh, well, you know, the government needs, the, uh, they have more insight into what kind of energy you should choose. So once again, it's forcing people into uh, supposedly into renewables while we're closing down the power plant. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, and, you know, the governor vetoed it, and so I, I'm not sure where, what we'll do. We may go back, try it again with the new governor. Pennsylvania State Senator Gene Yaw joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of the senator, I'll leave the audience with three words. Energy, economy, and environment. State Senator, well done. Great conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on the Labor and Energy Show. Thank you. Great to participate. Right. Absolutely. Good stuff. We'll get to a commercial break. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know that CO2 can be safely and permanently stored underground? Did you know? What's a boiler maker? 
We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EAScarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Great, great interview in our opening 30 minutes, J. Doc, with Pennsylvania State Senator Gene Yaw. Again, if anybody missed a portion of that interview or if you want to go back uh, and listen uh, to that dialogue, um, just go to Apple or Spotify. You can download the podcast, search Labor and Energy, and you can listen to the entire conversation with Pennsylvania State Senator uh, Gene Yaw. Really good stuff, Jay Doc. At one point, at one point here in our studio, because the senator obviously is uh, in his office, we're, caught, we're uh, in our studio, at one point you were jumping out wow. of the chair, not in a, not in a bad way, in a, yeah. in, 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 in a way that was filled with passion. Um, really, really good stuff. Well done by you. I commend you for um, your understanding of the material, and also, more importantly than that, your willingness to be able to share your belief on why why we need to educate people and why people need to be... Here's the important part of that equation. It's one thing to say, hey, I want to educate the public. It's another for the public to be willing to accept the education. So a lot of these issues, we're, you know, we, you know we, we've been... We're members of the public ourselves. Yes, we're, we are. We're learning and being educated ourselves on common sense issues. And that's why I jump out of my seat because guess what? You know, I feel... You know, the same way I hope the members of the general public would feel when they learn this information at the first time. Don't jump too high, will you, brother? Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Um, I'm ecstatic to bring into the the broadcast uh, Brendan Williams. uh, who's the head of government affairs uh, for PBF Energy, and he's a correspondent uh, for the program and also the content producer as well. Um, So we're appreciative uh, to have Brendan on the show. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you guys? Well, we're great, man, and, and uh, you know, we got lots to talk about. Obviously, you know, we're only doing one segment, but I do want, you know, here, here's something, people, if you've been, if you not haven't been hiding under a rock on a desert island, Strategic Petroleum Reserves, SPR, okay? That's what we're talking about. Brendan, um, you were previously on, on a show, and we were discussing um, the administration's massive Strategic Petroleum Reserve release. Okay, and for, uh, for listeners um, that don't know, the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserves, SPR, is in a sense a backup oil supply stockpiled um, you know, in the U.S. that is meant for our own national emer- uh, emergencies. Okay, um, but that's not what's going on, man. Um, can, can, we're, we're evidently releasing our own oil, our own, our own uh, reserves to you know, European nations and China. Can you talk about that and give us an update? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you hit the nail on the spot in your description. The SGR is supposed to be, as the name indicates, a strategic petroleum reserve for U.S. strategic interests. Uh, but despite the fact that's what it's intent for, the law actually wasn't written in a manner that ensures it's always used that way. And so we earlier, I think starting last year, we saw some SPR releases, but then earlier this year, the administration announced what was really a record release from the SPR of 180 million barrels. And the justification was twofold at the time. One, obviously the world was tight on crude and we were seeing crude prices continuously climb. Uh, And even though the SPR is not traditionally meant to be used as a tool for addressing price, obviously, you know, a lot of politics come into play and we were seeing prices escalate at at exponential rates. Uh, And then the, the other situation was the, 
the situation in Ukraine. Obviously, Russia is a large world oil supplier, and in order to help check against the Russian aggression, the you had the U.S. and other countries start banning the use of Russian oil, and as a result, there was a, a tool that the, the world did not have enough crude oil to service all the refineries that needed it. So something did need to be done to ensure refineries got adequate crude supply. And the policy tool chosen to address that situation was the SPR release. Uh, but uh, what we're seeing is that the SPR releases aren't just going to U.S. refiners. What the law says is the law just says DOE has to get the best deal for the government. So they announce a release, they issue a bid process, <clears throat> people have to bid on the crude oil, and, and then DOE can kind of sell it to the highest bidder. Now, <clears throat> there's nothing in the law that says, you know, who they have to actually sell it to. It just says they got to get the best deal for the government. And so as a result, you have gotten some perverse uh, results, uh, and one of which is that if you go back to April and look at all the releases since April, You've had probably about um, 550,000 barrels per day worth of crude that's released from the SPR is being exported to foreign refiners. Hmm. I mean, it's staggering. I, you know, actually, can these refiners make the fuel to, 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 to just export back here to the States? A lot of times that can happen, right? So particularly on the East Coast, one of the reasons we've seen the massive losses of refining capacity we've seen since 2010 is the East Coast does tend to be one of the more trade-exposed regions when it comes to refining. Right? New York Harbor is the, the biggest market in the world for finished petroleum products. Uh, the European refiners are traditionally diesel-heavy, and when you boil a barrel of oil to make petroleum products, you can't just make one product. You can't just make gasoline or diesel. You have to make a slate of products. So the European refiners, since the cons consumption over there is diesel heavy, gasoline ends up being like a byproduct. So historically, they've dumped that on the East Coast. There are a lot of Asian refiners that were built <clears throat> solely for export to the U.S. and European market. As history would have it, a lot of that fuel has actually stayed in Europe, but they're always looking East, and when the market works, they, they have sent fuel into the market. Uh, and so when you, know, you have a, a situation where you have countries blatantly, like Russia, blatantly using energy as a geopolitical tool and the world rightfully taking steps to mitigate their ability to do so, you got to make sure that the energy left over is going to serve the U.S.'s best interests. And right now, because there's not a lot of great crude oil infrastructure, so infrastructure to deliver crude oil to the East Coast refineries or the West Coast refineries, for that matter, that manufacture it into gasoline and diesel, the SPR really disproportionately benefits a couple of entities. One are some of the entities in the Gulf that have direct pipeline access into the big salt caverns where all the crude is stored down there. It's all, it's all stored in various locations in the Gulf. There are some folks that have direct pipelines into it, Pipeline transportation is the cheapest form of transportation, so those guys already have a leg up in terms of bidding on crude. Uh, but everybody else has to get the crude via ship. And, you know, U.S. refiners have to use Jones Act ships. You have to use a Jones Act ship to transport crude from a one port in the U.S. to another port in the U.S. Uh, and a Jones Act ship is essentially a ship that's um, built in the U.S. and staffed crude with U.S. personnel. And, and so there's not a lot of those. Sh okay. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say we're now though we we're, we're, you know uh, obviously the administration's sending our, our reserves uh, overseas, but we're at a we're at an, uh, not an all time low, but it, I guess our our reserves are I guess they're at their lowest in in, in uh, since 1985. Um, what are the consequences right. of that? Right, and I think they're pretty significant. So. Uh, you have this massive release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and there was an announcement that they are going to initiate another buy, but we still haven't really seen that yet. So you have a, a global crude market where crude production is barely keeping up with demand, refining capacity is uh, significantly constrained. There's no slack capacity or no inventory help. And now on top of that, reserves are draining. So the the impacts are significant, particularly since a lot of this crude that's being exported, so a significant portion of it ends up in Asia. The data on shipping isn't necessarily all that clear, but most of it probably 
is going to China. We know certainly in June there were 32,000 barrels that went to China. There were another 160,000 barrels that they call it high seas, which means it's lifted from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Somewhere in the middle of the ocean, it's transferred to another ship that aggregates, a bigger ship that aggregates a lot of different smaller ships. And then that crude mostly actually ends up in Asia. So, you know, there is a significant portion of this going to China. But I think irrespective of it's China or another nation, the system itself disadvantages domestic refiners because a lot of these trading companies and foreign refiners, they can use foreign flag ships to lift the crude and move the crude abroad. And, uh, and some refiners, as you mentioned, can actually take that crude that they, you know, they don't have to pay as much for shipping. So they can, you know, put in a better bid for the crude for the government. They could send it to refineries abroad. And per what I was just talking about, they could export that fuel back into the U.S. And that's certainly a perverse result that I don't think is in America's best interest. Brendan Williams from PBF Energy joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. Brendan, I just want to get one clarity because I want to make sure that the audience, that I want to make sure I heard it correctly so the audience hears it correctly. You referenced 550,000 daily and you yeah, barrels per day barrels per day from April does that right. does that mean 550,000 barrels times every day since the starting time whenever it was in April yeah so you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of let's call it 67 million barrels of the SPR releases. So the administration announced this 180 million barrel SPR release. They said at the time, this is equivalent to a million barrels a day over the next several months. Well, about half of that volume, a a volume equivalent to about half of that ends up being exported. And it's solely because, you know, again, the, the foreign flagships are a lot cheaper. So those guys can put in bids. They don't have, the requirement that U.S. refiners have to use Jones Act ships, right. and if and this is something Congress really needs to take a look who at. Cares? Actually, who cares if they don't? You, well, well, that's things. what I don't understand. So, so, but isn't it correct that that um, that that our commitment has been uh, up to up to a total of two hundred sixty million barrels uh, of of oil, or, you know, our petroleum petroleum reserve. Um, are, are going to be yeah, think- distributed, uh, you know, overseas? Yeah, I think if you look at the numbers, you know, again, the administration had a 180 million barrel release, but there was this big global coordinated release of, you know, massive reserves. Uh, and and of the U.S. portion, and they've been doing these releases since May, you know, we've, we've exported about 57 million barrels uh, of all the barrels that have been allocated. So if you look, it's probably equivalent to uh, almost 40% of the total announced U.S releases. Brendan, would you say would you say that the public is offended by that? I think so. I mean given given the magnitude I, of I think confused would be a better word. But I'm saying yeah. given the magnitude of what people in general have to pay at the pump, given the magnitude of where we are right now, yeah. I got to think people are offended by th- by knowing or learning of that much of uh, of that SPR being exported out of this country. Yeah, well, I also think the word now. Am I all, am I wrong on that, Brendan? I, I mean, I think they should be, and I, I think another good question is why isn't Congress jumping in to act it? They Congress can simply say. SPR release crude has to be processed at U.S. refinery. You know, it's a government reserve, as as JDoc mentioned at the the top of our conversation. It's basically this extra supply the government hold aside for strategic emergencies like a geopolitical event that threatens to destabilize the world economy, aka the Russian invasion in Ukraine. Uh, This isn't just oil that's being produced by private parties and bought and sold in the free market. It's a government strategic reserve. It should be used for U.S. strategic purposes, and I would argue, and I think most people would agree, that the most strategic use of that is to process that crude, require that crude to be processed at domestic refineries. Yeah, and let me ask you a question. Is, are there requirements, stipulations, anything that when, 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 uh, you know, uh, created by our government that whoever they sell our reserve to can only use it for specific things, or once we unload it, it's, you know, it's open season? 
Yeah, once we unload it, it's open. And that's why it's, it's really a deficiency in how the law is written. The law just says that DOE has to get the best deal for the government. has no other stipulation. Uh, and the, the exports to China are interesting because, as we've seen diminished refining capacity on the East Coast, you know, the unfortunate reality is moving forward, more people are going to be looking to foreign countries for finished petroleum products like gasoline and diesel. Well, they don't have to sell them to us. And China has made a decision that they're going to keep all their fuel for themselves. They've established some export restrictions. They said, look, we might, the world might be short on refining capacity. We don't want to be the ones that suffer the consequence. We're going to make all the fuel and keep it here ourselves. And, and now it turns out they're making a, a, at least a portion of that fuel from SDR Group. So you're telling me that, <laughs> I mean, that, 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 wait a minute, hold on, that we are releasing our uh, SPR, okay, and, and, and China's one of the recipients, and they're not reciprocating? Yeah, <laughs> big surprise, right? I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, am I in the twilight zone here? I'm telling you right now, this, this energy <laughs> situation, and, and it, it, you know, in, in, in a global sense, what, how are we looking um, these days uh, on, Two minutes, guys. Two on, minutes. on the global crude supply front? Well, global crude supply is really tight. It's, uh, it all is going to be dependent. If we have enough crude, it's all going to be dependent on demand. We have seen demand soften recently. Uh, oil prices have come off, uh, sadly, because everybody's wondering whether or not China is going to go into a recession because of their zero COVID policy. But the bottom line is crude supply is barely keeping up with demand. There's no stock capacity and no inventory support. And as we've discussed before, the U.S. has already lost 1.2 million barrels a day of refining capacity. We've lost probably around 3 million barrels globally. So we're still pretty tight refining capacity. So it's a, we're still walking a fine line here. Brendan Williams from PBF Energy joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause. We kicked off the show today with Pennsylvania State Senator uh, Gene Yawn. We made our, uh, made our way to the end with just, I don't want to say staggering information, but I, I, I hope, and I say, I, I say this all the time, I hope that people are willing to listen to what's being said, because when you do, you sit here and you're like, oh my God, that's freaking crazy. What's crazy about it is this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this a lot more often, because being in the twilight zone here is just an understatement, but energy, okay, is not a union thing. It's not a political party thing. It's a human thing. And common sense prevails. One of the things I say, re- reasons I say that, Joe, is this. They're saying, I'm a Democrat. I'm going to say it a million times. I care about my family. I care about the environment. I care about the public. I care about jobs. And I care about, uh, you know, uh, the planet. Okay? We need to look at the common sense details here. Okay? And create solutions that don't destroy ourselves. And stop make, getting people who are making decisions like this counterproductive to what's going on, uh, you know, possible. So, I mean, Brendan. Great stuff today, Brendan Williams. I appreciate you coming on. I'll leave you with three words that um, we took out of our opening conversation with Pennsylvania State Senator Gene Yaw. Energy, economy, environment, in that order. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause on behalf of uh, our special guest, Brendan Williams, uh, who joined us to wrap it up for us today. And then, of course, Jadoc, on behalf of Pennsylvania State Senator uh, Gene Yaw, uh, we thank the senator for coming on as well. Fifteen seconds before we say goodbye. No, man, I, I hope the people are listening to this. I hope that they understand uh, that we're, trying to, we're learning and we're the people also. We're trying to put out the, the, the information that we should all know about so we can all make common sense decisions that aren't based on politics or non-facts. Don't forget you can download the latest issue of or the latest edition of the Labor and Energy Show. Just go to Apple or Spotify and search Labor and Energy. Until next time, everybody, I'm Joe Kraus. See you next time. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.